and I welcome you to another broadcast of What's New. We continue today in Acts chapter 19, moving on to verses 8 through 12. In the opening verses of this chapter, Luke introduced us to the beginning of Paul's ministry in Ephesus. His ministry began with 12 men. After they were baptized and Paul laid his hands on them, they received the Holy Spirit. These men could now speak the gospel in other languages, in tongues that could be understood. Ephesus was a city where east and west met all along that coast, and there were many languages spoken there, just as there had been in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. These men were now able to give the good news of Christ to the entire city. Now we move on to verses 8 through 12, and Luke continues as follows. Then Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly each Sabbath day for three months, telling what he believed and why, and persuaded many to believe in Jesus. But some rejected his message and publicly spoke against Christ, so he left, refusing to preach to them again. Pulling out the believers, he began a separate meeting at the lecture hall of Tyrannus and preached there daily. This went on for the next two years, so that everyone in the Turkish province of Asia, both Jew and Greek, heard the Lord's message. And God gave Paul the power to do unusual miracles, so that even when his handkerchiefs or parts of his clothes were placed upon sick people, they were healed, and any demons within them came out. Our life on earth will soon be over, we shall cross the ocean wide. For us our Lord's prepared a mansion over on the other side. While here we'll trust His word and do the work that He has for us planned. Then we shall sing in heaven's choir way over in the glory land. That'll be a happy time when with Christ we sail away. To the promised paradise, paradise, where forever we shall stay. We We shall see the friends of old, united United in one band. And the praise of Jesus we shall sing way over in the glory land. There'll be a happy time tomorrow over on the golden shore. When all the happy saints redeemed shall meet to part no more. The pearly gates are open wide, inviting us to join that band. Then we shall sing in heaven's choir way over in the glory land. That'll be a happy time time when with Christ we sail away. away To the promised paradise paradise where forever we shall stay. Jesus, we shall sing way over in the glory, over in the glory land, over in the glory land. Here in the city of Ephesus, we see one of the elements of Paul's missionary strategy. 
Many of the cities where Paul planted churches were strategic centers that, when evangelized, served as focal points from which the gospel radiated out to the surrounding areas. Now here with our study is Pastor Henry Harder. As was his custom, when Paul reached Ephesus, he went immediately to the synagogue and, as Luke puts it, spoke boldly for three months, arguing persuasively. But some of the Jews began to malign the way, as the Christian sect was first called. So Paul left the synagogue and held his discussions in the hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years. The name Tyrannus may have been a nickname. It's hard to believe that parents would name their son Tyrant. Tyrannus may have been a local philosopher who had his own lecture hall and regularly lectured there. There were such lecture halls in gymnasia to be found in every Greek city where philosophers, poets, or orators would expound their views. Tyrant may be a nickname given by his students. Or it may be that Tyrannus was the landlord and owner of the building in which the hall was located. Perhaps his tenants called him a tyrant. If the Western text of the book of Acts is correct, then Paul lectured from the fifth hour to the tenth hour of sunlight, or from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. That was the time of day that Paul had the hall. If Tyrannus was a local philosopher, then he had the hall and taught his classes in the cooler morning hours. After the midday meal and during the siesta time, Paul had the hall. The people in those Mediterranean cities got up early for work and business. That was called the Nagotia. Nagotia began at dawn and continued until almost noon. The afternoon was devoted to leisure. This was called Otia. So, Nagotia and Otia. So, Paul's schedule may have looked something like this. In the morning, he worked at his own Nagotia, his trade of making Cilicium, the tent cloth. Then, instead of resting and enjoying Otia, or leisure time, as the populace did, when all activity stopped from 11 to 4, Paul would teach. He would forego his own siesta, and so would his students. Paul's message must have been considered important. From other scriptures, we learn that the rest of the day, Paul visited with individuals and with families in homes. That's a very heavy schedule that Paul kept up for parts of three years. Paul's strategy was to teach students how to reach Greeks and Jews with the gospel and then to send them out to the surrounding areas. His results were tremendous. It was during this time that the churches were begun in the Lycus River Valley, in the city of Colossae, Laodicea, and Hierapolis, and perhaps other cities as well. Epaphras, Philemon, and Archippus were all from Colossae and were all one to Christ at this time. Perhaps they fanned out to preach the gospel. At any rate, the gospel radiated out from Ephesus, until, as Luke writes, all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. That does not seem to be an exaggeration, since Demetrius, an enemy of the gospel, attests to that fact too. Without TV and radio, in two years, all the people in southern Greece heard the gospel. 
Paul's work in Ephesus included some unusual miracles. That's how Luke puts it here, extraordinary miracles. Handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick, and their illnesses were cured, and the evil spirits left them. The handkerchiefs were sweat rags, worn around the forehead, or used to wipe the perspiration from the worker's face. The apron was used to tie around the worker's waist. These two kinds of pieces of cloth used by Paul were given to the sick and those who had evil spirits, and they were healed. Actually suggested here is the fact that these miracles were accomplished by Paul laying on his hands, but the unusual thing was that healings were also performed when using these cloths that had contact with Paul. We may believe this to be a bit incredible, but Luke trained and experienced in medicine didn't. We might ask why. Why did God use this unusual way of healing people? It reminds us of the touching of Jesus' garment or the healing when contact was made with Peter's shadow. Look at it this way. When Paul was in Athens, he found some ground when he saw their altar to an unknown God, so he preached God to them. These Ephesians were extremely superstitious. The whole atmosphere in the city was one of superstition. In fact, the phrase Ephesian writings was commonly used to indicate magical spells or formulae. In order for the gospel to impact this atmosphere, God accommodated himself to that mindset. In verse 20, Luke writes that in this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. To me, it speaks of a God reaching to man in forms man can understand and in categories that will speak to a man where he is. In the philosophical atmosphere of Athens, Paul witnessed accordingly. Here in the atmosphere of pagan superstition, again Paul witnessed accordingly. He employed what reached people. By all means, to all men, God should be glorified.
Snow's a radio production of Creative Encounters. Our mailing address is Post Office Box 848, Chapter California, 93263, USA.